0: Starting at midnight and all day, October 16th, on 94.1 FM KPFA. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.30. Up next, cover to cover, poet to poet. Mm -hmm. To the Poet to Poet Series. I'm your host Nina Serrano. This is Nina Serrano for the Poet to Poet Series Open Book. My guest today is Dorothy Payne. She's the author of Birthmarks. Her very first solo book after having been in many, many anthologies. It's been published by NewNativePress.com and will soon be available on Amazon. Welcome, Dorothy Payne, once again to Poet to Poet.
1: Thank you, Nina. It's always a pleasure returning here and speaking with
0: you. Well, the reason I'm always inviting you is that you're so active and involved in so many poetry events and in so many human rights causes that makes you more than welcome here at KPFA Free Speech Radio. Where else would your poems belong? Well, everywhere, but especially here.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it's because I'm so involved in so many things that are just now, Now, at this late date, getting around to publishing my own
0: collection of poetry. So I'm very proud of it. Well, that's wonderful. And we're looking forward to hearing some of the poems from Birthmarks. Well,
1: first, I'd like to share the one that is the title poem called Birthmarks. I'd just like to say that, that the inspiration for this poem is the fact that as women, we often feel like or are led to believe that Birth and the giving of birth and what it does to our bodies, et cetera, is something to be concerned about or ashamed of even sometimes. And I certainly, as a mother, never felt that way. So that's the 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 origins of this particular poem, Birthmarks. They're birthmarks, not scars. Indelible constellations marking where I've been. Cosmic significations of earlier worlds previous dreams, and well healed shoes. Old wives claim they were mother's desires manifest on the source of our magnum opus, Patterned Fantasies. I like that account. It gives us some credit in it, but it's likely it is not. These birthmarks are not dreams made manifest. They are stamps marked, paid, paid. Sacred hieroglyphs where the past and the present met to indicate no further debt resides inside these thighs. Fishes, butterflies, little random stars even, well-placed codices, mysteries meant to be held in highest esteem. There's a moon here and a little Venus even right along my main seam under my navel, on my highway to heaven. Little buoys set afloat, marking the shores of a history that's deeply,
0: deeply dipped. You just heard Dorothy Payne reading from her new book, Birthmarks, by New Native Press. Wonderful poem, Dorothy. Wonderful. Thank you. Most of your poems have this uh, feminist element in them. I've noticed after yes. going to so many poetry readings <laughs> and hearing your poems
1: I guess it goes all the way back to the 70s I taught in a women's studies program at the University of Wisconsin when it was the second one in the country and so as as did many women that the women's movement resonated so powerfully for me because it so well described what we were struggling with. I have been a committed feminist ever since, and I see it as inextricably linked to all the other causes that that yourself and, and myself are involved in, you know, the, the very causes that guarantee our survival as women, as immigrants, as working people. Uh, the list is long these days since we're living in such difficult Times. So I'm particularly interested in using my art to express what hopefully women beyond myself are feeling, but also to preserve our history, which I think is constantly under siege, but but particularly in these difficult times.
0: Do you have another poem for us? I do. I have
1: one that was specifically written to be shared in a, a mass situation. I think the first time I read it was at the International Poetry Festival in North Beach in the street in Kerouac Alley. Uh, So it has that, that particular quality to it. And it begins with a quote by Ma Rainey, the great blues singer. Why is everybody treat me so evil and mean? I say, why is everybody treat me so evil and mean? Won't anybody tip their hat to a queen? Go ahead, try. Try to sing like Ma Rainey or Bessie Smith, to dance like Josephine did. Try to write like Emily or Tony or Audrey Lord or Adrian Rich. I dare you. Try to take it all in stride like 14-year-old Sacagawea, young, already pregnant, most likely with Clark's infant. He called him my boy, Pomp, and even adopted him. Just try to be that 10-year-old girl child won by a man to pay off a gambling debt then passed around like an empty plate. Our young Shoshone Salmon sister who changed an entire nation. The only one who knew what to do or where to go on that trek west. Go ahead. I dare you. I dare you to be another Angelina Grimke who threw off privilege of class and slavocracy, defied, race-crazed, woman-hating lynch mobs night after night, who hugged and loved the slave, and before Karl Marx even, insisted that money, not biology, was the cause of all this, that there was no such thing as race who was the first woman in the United States to address a legislative body and proclaim, slavery reduces a man to a thing. I dare you to try this. And I dare you to walk for miles throughout the Southwest, go from mine to mine alone like Mother Jones, be just like this Irish immigrant tenant farmer's daughter spreading hope until they wrote a song about you. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. Be a miner's angel who wins strikes and rights for the most oppressed, who is declared the most dangerous woman in the U.S. by that racist D.A. Reese. Lose your husband and all four of your children to a yellow fever death, then spend the rest of your life fighting like hell for the living. Create women's militias armed with brooms, mops. Call May Day your birthday. Crook your little finger and watch 20,000 contented men drop. Yes, be Woody Guthrie's union maid, Fearless and unafraid. Hum Aunt Molly Jackson's ragged, hungry blues while the Dreiser committee is interrogating you. Go ahead. Put on your walking shoes. I dare you. And I dare you to stand up when no one else would, like Fannie Lou in 1962. Sterilized in 61 against her will, she turned her rage around and said, I will, I will, when asked which Mississippi sharecropper would risk it all, would claim the dream promised and go straight down to Ruleville City Hall and declare, I am one woman and I want my one vote. Then I double dare you to get up off that cot after they've beaten you, nearly killed you, to stand up tall, straighten your thin, torn dress, look them straight in the eye, then throw back your head and sing this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, and with a switch in your hips, walk pure and sure straight out that jailhouse door while they just stare. I dare you to question America right to Hubert Humphrey's face, the vice presidential candidate of the United States. You mean to tell me your position is more important than 400,000 black lives? Mr. Humphrey, I'm going to pray to Jesus for you. Yes. Oh, yes, I dare you to be Fannie Lou. And I dare you to be Dolores Huerta strong to found your own UFW union, organize a boycott that brings them to their knees, get arrested twenty-two times, then make them bow down to you, stand tall even after they've beaten you on the steps of San Francisco's city hall, make those broken ribs into your tourniquet to stop this bleeding madness. I dare you to be the woman you always wanted to be, to forget your cars, your clothes, your plasma TV. I call on you to become queens for the poor, to proclaim the power you were born with, to seduce truth, charm justice, outsmart those men in charge. I dare you to take command. Powerful poem,
0: Dorothy. Powerful poem. Thank you. You're listening to Dorothy Payne and I've always loved your poem about Juana Briones.
1: (laughs) I was hoping you would ask me to read that. I am on this personal campaign that someday we will have Juana Briones' day in San Francisco because she was truly the mother of San Francisco. She was a transplanted Mexican indigenous woman who was the first homeowner and landowner in San Francisco, at least the first officially documented one. But far more important as my opinion that because of her incredible generosity, which this poem I think explains fairly well poetically and politically, she really set the tone for this being truly the city of love and the city of diversity and inclusion. So this is my ode to Juana Briones. They say it was her hands, wide and brown. The hands of Maria Juana de la Trinidad Briones y Tapia Miranda. The magic, they say, was in those hands she held out to Apollinaria Miranda that caressed his strong soldier's shoulders and kneaded the bread she fed him. Wife hands that cradled his manhood and his babies, all 11 of them. Yes, they say it was of Briones's kind Mexican mestizo hands with just a tinge of African in them, the veins of hard-earned love running through them wide and brown. And it had to have been them that refused him after every beating, that taught her the art of self-preservation And defense that stopped the bleeding, that carried the children on her back as she went from house to house healing the sick, mending them to mend herself, perfecting the art of laying on of hands, feeding, singing to them, bringing forth their babies in a baptism of blood that honored them and sanctified her as one of them. Hands that followed her mother's precise instructions practiced her art of knowing the Coranderas mysteries made her strong enough to say no more to him to work the courts and divorce him unheard of in 1837 impossible for an illiterate mestizo they claimed a mere woman of the earth to do this but she did hands that milked the cows, planted row after row of maize, just as her grandmother, Sidora had taught her to do, that stitched tiny beads onto her baby's dresses in the muted light of evening. But it was her indigenous, inbred genius and her raging, once-enslaved spirit, her Mexican sense of serving that made her need to know them, feed them, the dock hands fresh off the boats, starving, sickly, beaten, she harbored them, healed their pock-marred bodies, rinsed the rot from their scurvied mouths, accepted not one cent from them. And it was her ancient knowing, her ancestral DNA, that returned her to the old way, made her walk softly among them, sway like them, that made her don her handmade moccasins and walk for miles just to learn from them. And it had to have been the Indian in her that gave her legs of lead to stand her ground when they tried to take her land, that held her up so she could endure the loss of four of her children within one year. It must have been her need to sing and chant, that prompted her to adopt little Cecilia Cojiala, adding yet one more to her ample flock. And surely it was her unbent back that made her flee the madness brought to her family by the U.S. that fought their attempted theft of her land and left, bought Rancho La Purisma Concepcion in Los Altos from that grand old Ohlone, Gorgonia and his son Jose Ramon. Maria Juana de la Trinidad y Tapia Briones, the woman who embodied a continent and shaped a culture of generosity in this city of love. A monument of a woman, they said. A woman of black brown blood and well-worn man-woman hands. Healer of the enslaved, harborer of the hated, food-growing woman, fierce mother woman, Life giving woman, bowing down to no man woman. Juana Briones claimed it all as her own, made them mark their name upon their maps, Playa Juana Briones, a parterra who delivered them all with her wide mestizo hands.
0: That was Dorothy Payne reading her poem about Juana Briones. Mm-hmm. Dorothy, how did you come to write that marvelous poem? Well, I
1: lived in the mission for several years, and then I was able to attain an art studio in North Beach. And walking around North Beach, I noticed in Washington Square Park, behind the bushes sort of a very low monument with her name on it, and all it said was that she had owned all the land that was the park and that she was of Hispanic origin so i became very curious about who this woman was i started asking uh, colleagues and fellow artists who had lived in the community for many many decades and they didn't know So I was very curious by that and started researching and found bits and pieces. Uh, What little there is on her is scattered about. You have to look in many different sources. When she is credited with anything, it's usually for being a landowner, for being the first businesswoman. But as I dug more deeply into material, I could find what I found that was so important, I think, and needs to be resurrected and preserved is that she was an incredible human being she was a powerful, strong woman. She was illiterate. She divorced a husband for abuse at a time when that was absolutely unheard of. She fought the United States government when they tried to take the land of Indians, and she said no. She raised many children. She nurtured the ill. She, she was just an absolutely amazing human being, and I think she should be the mother of San Francisco. I think she is the mother of San Francisco. We should declare her as such a
0: demand at Juan Briones. Day. Well, I'm sure it will come to pass if your energies are attached to this. I was very struck by how often in your poems history and what appears like research also are part of your poetic process. Can you talk about that a
1: little? Yes, I think that's an important part of being a poet. I think it's an important part of being an artist, is to be engaged in the world and the society we live in. Like many artists, I was trained in academia. I have multiple degrees in literature. And always what was ignored or neglected was the discussion of the political and social context of these works. So it wasn't until I began researching things on my own and studying and and studying the the plastic arts more on my own that I realized the greatest artists of our time were our are and the most relevant, not just the greatest, are the ones who actually spoke to the issues of their day. Whether it be like uh Diego Rivera or Picasso or whether it be Mark Twain and Walt Whitman. I mean, they were not uh existing in ivory towers and creating work that was totally self-indulgent and subjective. So I had to go through quite a struggle to undo all my academic training (laughs) and begin actually writing material that I thought, A, preserved our history. I think that's always important, but especially as women. Uh, I taught in women's studies at a time where we had to create our own textbooks. There weren't any in the early 70s and I taught a course called Women's History and Culture and literally had to create slideshows and textbooks uh because there was no material. I was in shock to find that this was the second wave of the women's movement and that right after slavery we in fact had achieved so much and that that was all taken away and erased and undone. So. The important lesson that taught me is how hard we have to fight not only to make gains, but to hold the ground for our daughters and our granddaughters and those who come behind us. So it was at that point that I realized that artists have that responsibility.
0: What other poems would you like to share with us?
1: Well, let's see. I have, uh, let me find another one from the book. Uh, The book does not deal exclusively with women, but it has several poems that directly relate to the issue of how we respond to the world we're in. So maybe I would like to share, this poem is a black cat bone. This poem is a black cat bone. Is a hoodoo holler directed at you. This is Damballa all pissed off because none of the old sacrifices worked. None of our hard work paid off, and the lies no longer hold true. So we called down Screamin' Jay and put a curse on them. We did the Coltrane thing and took another option, chose to try love and unity instead of greed, put powder all around their door, and us for protection, have taken up the people's arms and linked with them, have tied around us all one big red string. Now we're calling for another way of knowing, another action. Yes, this poem is a black cat bone, a hoodoo on the banks that just want to do you, a veve for every human hue, a ritual older than some bourgeois version of democracy. This is Chicken John with a brilliant brain and ten textbooks he can't afford tucked under his arm. This is a Pocomania party, but no one will be wearin' white. Just be dancin', twirlin', steppin' in trance like unity. This is the whirling of a holy dervish society with all the drunken Sufis in the house tonight. This is the whole congregation on the thrashing floor, ecstatic at having been finally saved. This is our exodus out of Egypt, our refusal to any longer be their slaves, and we are all Moses leading the way. This is Uncle Carl skipping down the road with Mahatma Gandhi. This is Che sitting in the pews with Bouazizi. Is Zapata washing the feet of the Virgin of Guadalupe? Is Sandino returned to share his soup? Is the communion of campus comrades and courageous fighting unions? Is the teacher who is a true guru, the prophet poet who studies organs and bones then ritualizes them? Is the painter who worships the unknown and unseen then re- Realizes It is the warrior who refuses the dishonor of unjust killing, who walks the red hot coals of heroism and never flinches and reclaims his holy manhood in the process. This is the messianic masses returned to save ourselves from economic crucifixion, descending crosses by the thousands to travel together on the open road, sacrificial lambs reborn and transformed the inheriting meek who have come to stake our claim here amid this new humanity.
0: Beautiful poem. Thank Thank you you so much, Dorothy Payne. Thank you. That powerful poem was written and read by Dorothy Payne. It's from her new book, Birthmarks, which is available through newnativepress.com and will soon be available on amazon.com. Thank you so much, Dorothy, for sharing these fantastic poems with
1: us. Thank you, Nina, and thank you for this radio program. It's so important that we continue to do our work, and you absolutely are a A beaming example of that. Thank you, Nina, for allowing me to
0: come on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Poet to Poet. Our guest today was Dorothy Payne. One of the leading lights of the Latino community dimmed and passed. Mama Coatl, Sylvia Pada, the border-crossing goddess, took the mission district by storm when she arrived 15 years ago as an undocumented single mother. Born in the Sonoran Desert from the Yaqui people, she developed her spiritual healing and intellectual capacities, graduating from San Francisco's new College of California with two graduate degrees, focusing on women's studies and spirituality. In 2006, she introduced the celebration of the UN-mandated Day of the Elimination of Violence Against Women and Girls to San Francisco, Surprised that U.S. women were not rallying to the cause, she quickly organized a few of her friends to hold an impromptu rally at the 16th and Mission BART station. Over the years, she expanded her efforts, and the event was soon held on the steps of San Francisco City Hall. By the eighth year, she received a commendation from the city for her work on behalf of women. Swallowing her fears to face the city supervisors to receive the award she worried that she might be deported for being undocumented but it was mama Koatl's stature as an artist or artivist as she called it that made her so beloved to the community she was the poet and the songbird accompanied by her harana always raising relevant issues cultural event after event Sylvia never backed off calling out racism, misogyny, economic injustice and deportations without a thought to her own vulnerable situation. She helped spread indigenous spirituality and held many healing workshops. Luna Press published her book of short poems, "Mikasa." Sylvia Para raised the bar of feminist thinking through her work. I didn't mention her physical beauty, her long hair and ingenious outfits, performance after performance at the Red Poppy Art House, the Mission Cultural Center, Dance Mission, the Brava Theater, La Peña in Berkeley, and La Peña del Sur and other community venues. Her music DVDs have been broadcast in local and international media. Mama Coat's charisma helped organize rallies and marches, sometimes within hours of the local or international crisis. There will be many memorials honoring Mama Coat. Rage the presentir that I must have allowed my brilliant star nestled in the infinite wisdom of my mother's eye raged little pink creature under the body tree scratching on her wounds until she makes them faint and so she shakes rape off until her body's free as she gets kissed by the breeze blues and greens pulling on her strings pushing her to plunge into her abysmos and to firme cross the borderline del odio contra nosotros mismos This has been Nina Serrano with Jill Montgomery for the Poet to Poet series. Please check out my website, ninaserrano.com, to hear other programs, poems, and a listing of my upcoming events. Thanks for listening.
1: Building fund donors, their families and friends are invited to celebrate the twenty-fifth anniversary of the dedication of our site at 1929, Martin Luther King Jr. Way in Berkeley, at a brunch on Sunday, October 16 at 12 noon. There'll be a couple of station tours, entertainment, as well as comestibles. During the month of October, listeners will hear announcements expressing gratitude to all you wonderful folks who showed your love and support. For the station by contributing to the Capital Campaign Fund, our utmost and ongoing appreciation also goes out to those who recently pledged to keep this station going. Again, our building anniversary brunch happens at noon on Sunday, October 16th.